It's an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the laws are complicated and constantly changing, the wisest and safest way to keep track of them all is to call elder law attorney Michael Cohen. Having devoted his career to informing and protecting the elderly, Michael communicates about the law in ways that you and your loved ones will surely understand. Join us now to know your legal rights with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here's Michael and Don. Once again, welcome to Know Your Legal Rights. My name is Don Crawford Jr., the grateful owner of KWM Radio, 770 AM God Country, Texas, in that order. And I'm sitting with Dallas Elder Law Attorney Michael Cohen. Hello, Michael. Hello, Don. How you doing? I'm fine. Thank you. Happy May. I hope you're having a good month. I am. I'm blessed. I know you are, too. And we want to bless the audience with some um, new wisdom and advice on when it comes to mental versus physical capacity. What are we talking about here, and how does that apply to state planning? Well, you know, it's really on the mental side. Mm -hmm. If you don't have mental capacity, you're not supposed to execute a document. Mm. And so then there's different types of capacity. Um, For example, if you have a testamentary capacity, that's like enough capacity to know who the – if you have a testamentary, it means like for like a last will and testament – that means you know the bounty of your affection, kind of know what your assets are, so and have some, you know, enough understanding of what you're doing mm-hmm. that you have the ability to sign, you know, what that will or whatever it may be. Okay. Before you go any further, would you please tell me in the audience how you test if someone is mentally capable? And that's a good question because a lot of times uh, there's a difference of opinion. I personally have them go to a geriatric psychiatrist or psychologist or a neurologist. Mm-hmm. If there's a question, then we have an affidavit prepared mm-hmm. that says, okay, I examined so-and-so, and at the time or simultaneously with the time that they did this, they had sufficient mental capacity to execute whatever the documents might be. Okay. We've been doing that routinely for years. Mm-hmm. Other attorneys, I might add, have a different attitude, and they said, who best to determine the capacity except for the person that's talking to them at that point. I see. Uh, But Mm. I feel like um, I would rather have a professional that specializes in the mind to make that determination. Okay. Is it just a matter of asking questions, or is there testing that's done? Well, there are these different, you know, it used to be we had these different, there are these different tests that you do, you know. Mm -hmm. I I, I think I probably told you uh, a a couple years ago, we had a show, and I think I told you that I asked, it was the date of the election between uh, President Trump and Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. And I asked the person, uh, you know, can you tell me who's running for president today? Well, she stopped, and the elderly lady stopped and thought about it for a second, and she said, a jerk and a crook. <laughs> I said, I think he's got capacity. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, sounds, good. sounds right to me. <laughs> so, you know, the... You know, it's really kind of funny. I, I, if I told you some of the other stories that when uh-huh. I've asked it, it's really right. kind of a uh, kind of, right. it, it gets a little bit even um, more bizarre. I'm sure. And so, but when they so, gave you that answer, though, who was the jerk and who was the yeah? Crook? Well, you know, but that, two years ago, it, was, it might have been different, right? Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, in any event, we do ask the question still because we feel like we have to know 
but a lot of times I want a professional who specializes in the mine. So mm-hmm. if, if there was ever any kind of will contest, for example, that I have the backup of a professional said, okay, and, yeah. and you sign that hopefully simultaneously with the signing of those documents. Okay. Remember, you could have lucidity now, but not two hours from now. Sure. You might know who the bounty of your affection is, but your memory is bad enough where you might not know who it is a couple of uh, hours yeah, later. So that so the determination is – and a lot of the times in the documents, you determine uh, in your documents, let's say you have a trust. Uh, on simpler trusts, we often say, okay, when two doctors agree or something like that, or maybe it's your own um, – you know, your primary physician, uh, or uh, you could have it, uh, if it's a little bit more sophisticated, we often have a disability panel. We say, okay, when the majority of my family members determine I'm disabled, that's when I'm disabled. But we could change who our disability panel members are mm-hmm. as long as we have capacity. So then there's – so a lot of times you, you could do things in different ways. It's just in, like in your definition. So, for example, uh, just like on other things, you, it's however you define things. When we do like a trust and we're concerned about a spouse uh, remarrying, whether it be the spouse of the person who's dying or perhaps the spouse of a child, we could define remarriage – as cohabitation for one night. Mm-hmm. You know, it's how all in your definition uh, as to what is uh, capacity or or um, marriage. Uh-huh. So uh, the, that's the good news about doing a trust. You could, you know, basically do your own definitions. Okay. Well, anyway, so there's mental capacity. We usually do this um, by having uh, a doctor determine that. Now, uh, before they sign the documents. Now, a lot of times things are done. Uh, you'll, you'll see powers of attorney where it could either be effective immediately or spring upon disability. And then if it springs upon disability, then often even in the power of attorney document, it says, okay, when two doctors agree that I am disabled, that's when the power of attorney becomes effective. Mm-hmm. So often you'll find that most people prefer to have it that way but we generally, unless it's like a second marriage or something like that, uh, don't want it to be that way because uh, a lot of times it's hard to determine whether it's capacity just as the question that you asked. So right now I'll tell you a story about um, a person. Uh, he had a um, he had named a girlfriend as his agent uh, and his daughter as his <clears throat> alternate agent. It was a springing power of attorney. The um, in the meantime, the principal, the one who signed the power of attorney, uh, has had a stroke. There was a question as to whether that person has capacity. Um, the bank called me. The bank who was dealing one the agent wanted to uh, have access to the funds, and and so the bank called and asked if the power of attorney was effective immediately or springing upon disability. Well. According the that particular power of attorney, which I had not prepared, I might add, was a springing power of attorney, although we always give options, I might add, um, was a springing power of attorney. The bank said, well, if that's the case, we, don't, we think he still has capacity. In the meantime, uh, the sister of the disabled person wanted to uh, be in charge, uh, and she had him sign a Power, new power of attorney. Well, if it was the bank making that decision, that wouldn't have been a problem. Right. But, but the 
daughter and ex-wife called Adult Protective Services and said, and Adult Protective Services said, well, we don't think he has capacity. So you have this one person who you can't pay bills. On the other hand, you know, is there a disability or not? So right. that sure. so that gets into the question and having the determination of doctors in that case. Uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of times there's dysfunction and disagreement. This is an example of one of those cases. There's a lot was. at stake. Yeah, there is a lot at stake. And, yes. um, you know, it. all I could say, that, that that's part of the world mm-hmm. that we live in. And a lot of times people are maybe have – less than righteous uh, desires, Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying that's the case here, but um, unfortunately you see things that you wish you didn't see in in real life, but um, probably the attorney is probably more sour than a lot of people because they're seeing all these bad things that people do to each other, and uh, it's, it's most unfortunate, and so... Uh, that's the way it is, yeah. just the way it is. And so you do want those definitions to be kind of tied down uh, the way you want them to be. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of times if you trust your family, if you had a disability panel, then that might be great. And we don't have these doctors involved and delays involved, et cetera. And then you just have a determination of the majority. So um, there are other types of capacity. Uh, there are questions about um Besides testamentary capacity, donative capacity, the the right to make a gift, uh, that actually has a higher standard because you need to live off those monies for your life. Hmm. Um, There's contractual capacity. Uh, Do you have enough uh, understanding of the contract? So there's different types of capacity that sometimes we have to talk about with the doctors before they make that determination or the examination as to whether that person has capacity or not. Um, you know, this is it becomes a really tricky issue, uh, and it's a very important issue. Um, I have somebody right now that mom has has was going to sign a trust, but had a stroke. Uh, luckily, in the power of attorney, uh, the power of attorney said that mom gave daughter the authority to enter into a trust. And or to create and fund a trust, mm. and so we might be able to utilize the power of attorney to do certain things. Whereas, by the way, a power of attorney generally cannot an agent or a power of attorney cannot sign a will for you, but they can create trust if that power of attorney says that you can. So uh, you know, say it's for your a person's benefit for life or whatever. So in the state's code, it has various uh, things like on powers of attorney, uh, what standard, and they said there's certain hot powers that are additional that you could add. Mm -hmm. And if you don't add those things, then you don't have the authority. The creation of trust is one of those hot powers. So a lot of times we will put an extra provision on the types of trust that could be created because there's lots of different types of trust in the world. So it's just a matter of, you know, give that authority to the things that you would like. So capacity is an important issue uh, for so often. Now, just because if you have if you have physical incapacity doesn't mean that you can't sign something. You could direct somebody to sign on your behalf. So whether it's the person who had the stroke and who can no longer uh, act – 
but maybe has mental capacity, we might there's different things in the law that says, okay, if you got two witnesses and they said that the person told them that they this is what they want and it's notarized, you could have that done, uh, even if that person doesn't sign, or perhaps sign with an X, or perhaps have the notary sign at the uh, on behalf of the person who wanted the document signed. So there's different things that the law does provide uh, if there is such a situation. And so those, um, so you just have to look at that situation. So in this case that we have um, now where the trust was already done, but she had a stroke, luckily the power of attorney had the ability to create that type of trust and fund that type of trust. And so therefore we could do that. If it didn't have that, sorry. Yeah. I'm just sitting here thinking about um, how complicated this can be. And, and I want to ask you after we talk about the next workshop, exactly what can happen in terms of abuse and people saying and doing certain things uh, to the individual who, who's, who's basically, who has the money, who has the assets, and they want to be the heir and inherit as much as possible. So before we do that, though, I just want to talk about your next workshop on May the 23rd, which is Thursday at 1 o'clock. And you should sign up for that workshop immediately by dialing 214-7200102, because that's the first step of getting your situation evaluated. And it's a free workshop, and you attend it with about 25 or 30 people, and you get to ask questions about your individual circumstances that Michael will write on the board and then address them in a pretty truncated way to start because he doesn't know all your circumstances, but it'll get you started with understanding really where you are with your plans. Yeah, we ask people what they want to know. Mm-hmm. And for two hours, we write the questions on a board, and we just have a discussion. Mm-hmm. So it's not planned. No uh, seminar. No. You're not getting information rammed down your throat. He's not pitching you. He's dialoguing with you. Yeah, that's right. We want. What is it that you want to know? We want to make sure that that two hours of free estate planning is um, whatever it is that person wants mm-hmm. and that their questions are asked. It's an educational process. And, e- and either even if those people were still not educated enough, if they went to the two-hour free estate planning essentials workshop, then we even meet with them for free for an hour. Mm-hmm. If you are interested, again, in going to that free estate planning essentials workshop and getting, you see, two to three hours without charge, uh, all you have to do is call that 214 720 0102 number. That's 214-720-0102 or sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com. Excellent. So Michael, um, got about 10 minutes left in the program or so. Can you tell us a horror story or two? I'm not sure I want to hear them, but I got to believe there's a lot of, as you mentioned, duress that goes on where they're forced to sign or they're brainwashed by the heirs. That's really scary stuff. Yeah. I mean, fortunately, um, you know, I'm sure it happens all the time, and people abuse it. There's even a, a bill, um, you know, we talked a few weeks ago about uh, certain bills before the state legislature. One of the bills is that if you have a power of attorney mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and you're acting as agent, and let's say the principal, the one who signed the power of attorney, is elderly or perhaps even disabled, um, that if you're elderly— and you, let's say you signed a lease uh, under this proposed law that you can't just evict that person if you knew that per, if if you're the landlord, um, in, if um, that person uh, was had an agent and you were aware of that under the power of attorney. So you'd have to go through a, a notice to that agent uh, and get some sort of court permission before you could evict. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the proposed rules with our. Um, 
state legislature as we speak that we should know in the next couple of weeks. Very good. Uh, another um, um, one, speaking of things like that, uh, since we're talking about elderly and disabled, if you abandon and you're some sort of person that was supposed to be responsible for taking care of this elderly or disabled person, um, and you abandon them or do something that an act of omission, right. then it can now could be a criminal act okay. uh, besides civil liability. Sure. So there are different things that we're trying to do to protect those who are weaker uh, of the mind. Good. Uh, so it you know gets that capacity issue or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, we have a neighbor who, unfortunately, the grandchild was supposed to be taking care of grandfather, and the grandfather said, let me have the keys. And he drove all the way from um, he was in Lubbock, and he drove to New Mexico. Uh, didn't know where he was going, and they unfortunately found him uh, deceased. Mm. So there, you know, we have to do different things. To uh, you have to act in a responsible manner, uh, and we're being more cognizant of those who are either disabled or elderly mm-hmm. that uh, might be. You know, that's sometimes like even on long-term care insurance, you might have. Uh, somebody else being notified, and not, you know, instead of just dropping your coverage because let's say you get this bill in the mail and you're not really sure what you're doing anymore because you just don't know what you're living at home. There's questionable capacity, and nobody knows that you didn't pay the premium. Right. So there's some some companies allow the notice to go to somebody else. Mm-hmm. So it gets more and more important about capacity issues. I mean, it's also, I mean, awful how um, people will will prey on the naive, whether they're eight years old or eighty-eight years old, and they'll they'll brainwash them in certain ways and tell them that well, if you don't do this, um, you're going to go to hell, or if you don't do this, you're going to go to jail, hell yeah. or jail. I don't know, <laughs> and that's kind of scary to me. Um, they had that couple in um, California. I don't know where exactly in California that chained their kids to the bedposts uh, and beat them and uh, sexually abused them. And I think they were um, uh, sentenced last month to life in prison or 25 years and then parole or something like that. And they told them that this was in the name of God and that if you don't do this, then you are going to go to hell and you're going to realize God's wrath and punishment and talk about abuse. I mean, it's just awful. I'm sure it happens all the time. We just don't know about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, there's all sorts of abuse. Of course, in Texas, we also, um, and federally, we have uh, laws against like elder abuse, et cetera, and mm-hmm. they're getting tougher. And there's often elder abuse is not, is in many ways, it could be financial abuse as well as, and, there, and by the way, the more you, if it is financial abuse, it could be not only a criminal act, the criminal acts goes, uh, the level of the crime goes up with the amount taken. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so even an agent under a power of attorney, uh, is considered a fiduciary, and so if they start transferring money themselves, um, then uh, unless there's authority in the power of attorney to do that, then they could have personal liability, and it could even be a criminal offense. Mm-hmm. Now, it should be mentioned that the uh, in the, the Medicaid world or the public benefits world, you do often want to have the agent act where they can make gifts because public benefits are often um, means tested. Mm-hmm. So you have you have to be careful of who it is that you have as your agent. Of course, on a power of attorney, you can always revoke it as long as you have mental capacity. Uh, 
but it, it is an issue because you have this dichotomy of maybe saving assets to somebody you trust, or at least you thought you trusted, right. uh, as well as getting the government to be of assistance to help out and preserve money in one way or another. So it, it, it sometimes there's these, these judgment calls, and um, you know uh, sometimes people change. If you give away money to somebody, um, there could be all sorts of bad things. Of course, not only even if they were the most trustworthy person, they could have died first, given to other heirs. They could have been sued, had credit issues. They could have commingled things with their uh, spouse and got. Uh, there could be marital issues. They could have become disabled, uh, and if they become disabled, then the money's theirs. And the courts say, "We well, have to use your money on yourself, mm-hmm. as because you're the ward. It's got to be in your best interest, not the person who made the gift." Right. Is there any tax issues? You know, there's lots of different things that have to be considered before you make any kind of transfer. But uh, in your power of attorney is one thing that you could uh, at least discuss the issue, and it's often. Uh, well, most of the time you'll see it that they do not have uh, powers to make the gifting except for up to the annual exclusion, which is $15,000 a year per person. Okay. But remember, for Medicaid, uh, there's a it's different than tax laws. The IRS, $15,000 a year per person is to stop the Rockefellers from reducing the size of their estate to the next generations. Uh, and so that's why they limit the amount of gifting uh, whereas on the Medicaid rules, uh, you have to have a limited amount of resources. So there are different strategies that sometimes people do to reduce their assets to get those valuable public benefits. So it's kind of a uh, – you have to take into consideration what the situation may be. Mm-hmm. Um, and also if that person had full uh, self-dealing, let's say, authority – then there's another there's a tax issue here if they had a large estate. Mm-hmm. So if you had a large estate and you could deal with somebody else's estate uh, completely, uh, and if that agent died first and the principal's assets could be included in the agent's estate because they could deal totally with that other person's assets. Mm-hmm. So you have to look at tax issues in addition. Uh, so not only and if I gave away things, not to mention if I gave away things that were highly appreciated, then um, you may have lost a step up in basis because you made a gift. And the donee, the one who receives the gift, uh, takes the basis of the donor, the one who made the gift. Mm. So there could be so there's lots there's capital gains issues. There's a, a lot of different things that people need to consider that they don't think about uh, when they just even do something as simple as a power of attorney. Interesting. And does. Everyone need a power of attorney, incidentally? Well, you know, it's not a bad idea Mm -hmm. because it's probably one of the more important documents. When would you not need one? Well, even if you had – let's say you had zero assets. Right. You still might have contracts. You know, you might want to sign a lease or Mm -hmm. you might want to do something. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or it could be – But so the answer is – Probably most people should have a power of attorney. And shouldn't you have one because perhaps you would begin to lose mental capacity as well? Yeah. I mean, well, power of attorney, like I said, could be effective immediately or spring upon disability. And so you would, we usually, rec- usually recommend it be effective immediately because if you trust the person, hmm. then. Uh, and if that you know, then they shouldn't be appointed as a, an agent if you right. didn't trust that person. Right. And if they show that they were untrustworthy, you could just revoke the power of attorney. I see. So probably it's best to have it usually effective immediately. But most people, most 
people go into that discussion thinking, no, let's just have it effective when I'm disabled. But then there's that problem that we talked about before is when is their disability? It's often difficult to determine with that level of mental capacity or not. Yeah, and that's how we started the program. When are they mentally disabled? When do they lack mental capacity? That's a tough call, but I guess we have to just go by the word of that typical doctor, or you said psychologist? Is well, that- well, I mean, you know, it depends on your definition, what you put in your documents. Mm-hmm. Usually you say, to do- I, I usually get a, um, you know, some sort of affidavit of the doctor to, okay. to see if there's enough capacity, but others may not go that far. Right. They, they, they can make the determination themselves, right. and that doesn't mean that I'm right and they're wrong. Yeah. It's just that different people have different opinions. I don't think that's too far at all. I think it's very wise. What's also very wise is go to Michael's next workshop. Sign up for it today so that you can learn exactly where you stand in terms of your estate plans and even with government assistance and uh, how Michael can help you. And you can attend that workshop, ask any questions you want in those areas. Um, can they ask you who, who does your hair, who buys uh, your furniture, nothing like that? I right? don't have limited hair, so, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so it would be a very short discussion. Very short answer, very truncated response. Anyway, um, do that, May 23rd. And if you don't make that one, you'll roll over to the next event, which would be in June, the next uh, estate planning uh, essentials workshop. Dial 214-720-0102, 214-720-0102. Or sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com. Or call that 214-720-0102, telephone number. Michael Cohen, thank you, sir. Thank you. When we declare doing it your way, as Christians, such is actually and should always be God's way. It's imperative that our planning includes implementing indisputable biblical principles, such as leaving a financial gift for your church from your estate. Not doing so would certainly be considered poor stewardship, which no believer wants to be held accountable for. So call Michael Cohen's office to sign up for the next Essential Estate Planning Workshop to ensure your estate is in complete Christian accordance today. Dial 214-720-0102. 214-720-0102. And be certain to listen to Michael Cohen right here on 770-KAAM.